Mark chapter 7, we're going to begin reading just a moment in the 24th verse. Now, if you've been here the last few weeks, on the, on the past three Sundays, we've dealt with one basic conversation that took place between uh, the Pharisees and Jesus and, the, and, and some of the practices that J- the Pharisees thought Jesus' disciples should be observing and they weren't. And so we've spent three weeks kind of dealing with that. And we finished up in Mark chapter 7 and verse 23, where Jesus uh, said, All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So we talked about that last Sunday morning. That brings us to verse 24. And we're going to read a few verses. If you're able to stand with us, stand with us, please, for the reading of the scripture. Hope you have your Bible with you today. Follow along in your Bible We'll read this and then have prayer together. Verse 24, And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus left the region, left the area that he was, and he's going to really kind of a remote area for anyone from Israel to the borders of Tyre and Sidon to the north and entered into a house. Jesus did, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. So you get this picture, Jesus is in a house, he's trying to keep his location a secret, he's, I'm sure, looking just for some time of rest. And, but there's a woman there who has this daughter who is demon-possessed. And she got wind of the fact that Jesus was in this house. And she came to meet him, fell at his feet. Verse 26, the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. And Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. (laughs) And he said unto her, For this thy saying, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she came to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for preserving for us these records of actual historical events in the life and ministry of Jesus. Not only what was done, but what was said, and what was not said. We thank you for it. We read it with interest. We read it with appreciation. And today we pray that you'd help us as we study it together to grow in grace, to be better informed, to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be changed. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to look at this woman's faith 
uh, today, uh, not just a woman, it's a mother. And not just any mother, a Gentile mother. All these things are relevant, unique. The Bible says that Jesus is in the region of Tyre and Sidon. That's as far north as Jesus traveled during his time on earth. It's about 40 miles from Capernaum. This is where he had been, the land of Gennesaret, probably the city of Capernaum. And the Tyre and Sidon are, right on, are coastal cities right on the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, the region, uh, ancient reg, uh, region, was called uh, Phoenicia. Uh, today it's Lebanon. We think in, in Tyre and Sidon, still cities in uh, the, the country of Lebanon. And just north of Israel, we have this area. And that's where he went. And again, as we read a moment ago, and we read this in another passage uh, earlier in this study, he's seeking some solitude. Uh, he doesn't want to be seen, verse 24. He entered a house and would have no man know it. Now, sometimes people read things like that and say, well, that was very unfriendly of him. But you've got to keep in mind, Jesus lived in a body of flesh. And as a man upon this earth, God... God inhabiting this man, God is God in the flesh, I should say. He had he had weariness, he had tiredness, he got, you know, sometimes, believe it or not, people get weary in well-doing. And Jesus was looking for some solitude. And uh, so he wanted to keep, keep his location uh, secret if he could. But this desperate woman, and that's the really the, the focus of our lesson today, sought him out. And I'm going to make a few statements about the difficulty. And I, I want you to think about this this morning as we begin. It's not always easy to get to Jesus, right? I mean, people may want to think it is, but it's not always even for us. Sometimes things get in the way of us getting to Jesus. But this woman faced several obstacles. First of all, Jesus was trying to maintain some seclusion. And so there's one thing. Second of all, her nationality was against her. She was a Gentile. Jesus was a Jew. And as we've already seen and we'll see later, often uh, in the minds of Gentiles, Jesus, why would Jesus have anything to do with me? Second, thirdly, her, her gender really was against her. This was sort of a male-dominated culture and society. Uh, Satan, we should say, Satan was certainly against her because Satan was possessing the daughter of this woman, and certainly didn't want her to get delivered from her oppression. And we'll see this in the Gospel of Matthew in a little bit. But even the disciples weren't for her. There doesn't record it here in Mark 7, but it does in Matthew 15, that the disciples suggested that Jesus send her away. Imagine that. Great followers of Jesus. Let's get rid of that woman. And, uh, and initially... It even seemed like Jesus was against her, like he wasn't favorable, like he wasn't on board. Now, I'm just telling, I'm going to talk about this woman today, but think about all these things. You're trying to get to Jesus and you've got all these barriers, all these hurdles that are standing between you and getting to Jesus. And we want to just really drill down into that a little bit today, because what though, though it was the it wasn't just this woman saying she believed. It was her persistence and faith that become a great example for us in our life. And two things just stand out to me in this passage is the mercy of God. God is merciful and loving and compassionate. But second of all, this strong faith. 
Her faith challenges me. And I hope you'll think about that together. So how did this all play out? How did Jesus respond to this Gentile mother? It tells us in verse 25 that she had heard about him. Let's look at verse 25 again. A certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit. That means that she was possessed by a devil. And this is not the only time in the Bible we find this where parents have troubled children, and not just emotionally troubled, but demon possession. Sometimes they were suicidal. I'm thinking of the man at the bottom of the Mount of Transfiguration and and brought his son to the disciples and said sometimes he cast himself into the water and sometimes he cast himself into the fire. He's trying to kill himself. Parents who love their children. That's a theme that we see uh, in this passage and in the Gospels. But this woman heard of Jesus. And one can only imagine what that meant to her. To have this daughter, no doubt, she's been troubled about this daughter. She's been concerned about this daughter. But she's heard about Jesus. If I can just get to Jesus. Amen. Amen. If I can just get to Jesus. And so she comes to him, it says in verse 25, and it says she fell at his feet. So here's, here's a parent who loves their child. But not just a parent, but a mother. Seems like, no offense to the men, but it's like this mother's love sometimes is, just knows no limits. And she's driven by this sense of desperation. And she comes in verse 25, the last part of verse 25, with, with humility, profound humility. She fell at his feet. Why did she fall at his feet? Because I think in a sense she knew she didn't belong there. He'd been trying to hide anyway or keep people from getting to him, if you would. And she, he was a Jew and she, no doubt, was aware of her Gentile background. And she was, but she was desperate. The Bible says here in verse 26 that she was a Greek or a Gentile and a Syrophoenician by nation. That was her nationality. It's a combination of Phoenicia and Syria. If you could think in your mind about where Israel is, just to the north and to the west along the Mediterranean Sea, is Phoenicia or Lebanon now. Just to the east, though, is Syria. And so the inhabitants of this country were, part of them were Phoenician, part of them were from Syria, and so we have that term, Syrophoenician. Syria and Phoenicians. And this she came in verse 26, and I love these words in verse 26. She besought him. She's begging him. She's entreating him. She's passionate about getting to him. Now, I want you to mark your place, if you would please, in Mark chapter 7, because we'll be back there and finish there. But I want to turn to Matthew for a moment. Matthew chapter 15, if you turn to the left, because Matthew 15 writes about this same event, but he gives us a few details that Mark does not record. In Matthew chapter 15, in verse 22, it says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Matthew chapter 15, in verse 22. 
Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed by a devil. And notice the first part of verse 23. But he answered her not a word. Now Mark doesn't tell us that. And by the way, that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean the Bible has a contradiction. It's just in the Gospels, sometimes they would record more details in one Gospel or the other. And by the way, that motivates us to read our Bible. What was Jesus' first response to this woman who fell down before him and begged him to have mercy on her daughter? What was his first response? Nothing. Nothing. He answered her not a word. Imagine going through all the trouble, overcoming all the barriers to get audience with Jesus, and when you laid out your burden, he didn't even respond. One thing she had to deal with was his silence. Now, could you just think with me for a moment this morning? And maybe you've been here before where you pour out your heart to Jesus and he doesn't seem to respond at all. And sometimes we get upset with him. We get mad at him. We don't understand him. We think he's rude. How dare him not, not answer me? Who does he think he is? I mean, but she, he answered her not a word. You know what? God can be God. And you know what? If he, if, if, he's, if he was silent, he had reason to be silent. Amen. Amen? So she had to deal with his silence. But here's another thing that Matthew records that is not in Mark. Look in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 23. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. Now, there's a great, great testimony of compassion on the part of the disciples. Send her away. She's bothering us. She's crying after us. She won't leave us alone. Send her away. So not only is this woman having to deal with his silence, but she's also having to deal with their rejection. Those closest to Jesus were not supportive of what she was wanting to do. And then verse 24, Jesus finally answers, and he says this in verse 24, and Jesus, and he answered and said, I, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So first of all, he's silent. Second of all, the disciples tell her to leave. And thirdly, he says, you need to understand that my first commitment and priority is the people of Israel. Right? You're not, an, you're not a Jew. You're a Gentile. And the reason I came first and foremost was to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, you may not be familiar with uh, this part of the Bible, and if so, it's understandable. But Jesus was not being prejudiced or showing partiality. This was the first part of Jesus' mission, assigned by His heavenly Father, and that is to the Jews first. Matter of fact, 
I know we're looking at several passages. Turn, we're going to be right back to Matthew 15, but go to the left a little bit. Matthew chapter 10. This is where Jesus sent out his disciples. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Notice that Jesus said to his disciples when he's sending them out, Don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go into the way, the path, the road. Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Don't even go into the towns occupied by the Samaritans. Verse 6, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now explain that. Why is that so? Because number one, Jesus is coming as the fulfillment of these Jewish prophecies. Jesus, the promise of a Messiah wasn't given to the Gentiles, it was given to the Jewish nation. The promise that was to Abraham that through thee, your seed, Abraham's seed, a Jewish man, under your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed. So he is the promised seed, the seed that would bruise the head of the serpent and the seed through whom the nations of the world would be blessed. He came as the son of David. As a matter of fact, Matthew 15, she called him the son of David. She recognized that he was the Messiah, the fulfillment of Jewish prophecy. And one day as the Jewish Messiah, he would rule and reign over the entire world. So his first commission was to the lost sheep of Israel. It does not mean he didn't love Gentile people. We're going to see that he did, and he does. But it just he was stating his purpose. So now what is she going to do? Here's a woman. We're going to be back to Matthew chapter 15. Here's a woman who's got a daughter that's demon-possessed. She believes that Jesus is the only answer there is for her. Jesus ignores her at first. The disciples asked Jesus to send her away. And then Jesus said, I'm, my priority at this time is the nation of Israel and the lost sheep of Israel. Now, think about it. Put yourself in her place. I mean, what will she do? She gave it her best effort. She tried. Honestly, I think if we just really think this through, most of us, maybe myself... Never would have even gotten this far. We, we couldn't have overcome the barrier to go into a house where we knew we were not welcome, right? And if Jesus ignored us, we'd probably get offended and leave. And if the disciples said, send her away because she's a bother to us, three strikes and you're out. But not this woman. Not this woman. Notice what it says in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 25. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. What a simple, what a simple plea. And what a powerful plea. I have those words marked, underlined, highlighted in my Bible. Lord, help me. Please help me. In reverence... In humility, in desperation, in respect, she begs for help. She is interceding for her daughter. She's begging for her daughter. And 
Let's go back to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. We continue in the word. The next words in Mark's gospel are also in Matthew's gospel. But in Mark 7 in verse 27, it says, But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled. We're in Mark 7, 27. Let, let the children first be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it unto the dogs. Now, even if you don't know anything about this history of the Jewish people and and their and uh, how how they would be the they were the recipients of the oracles of God, they would be the recipient of the Messiah of God. And so, what did Jesus say? Let the children first be filled. He's talking about Israel. He's talking about the the Jewish people. First, let them have their opportunity. First, let them receive what God is sending to them. Let them be filled. And then he says in verse 27, to further elaborate on that, it is not meat. The word meat there is like fit or proper. It is not meat to take the children's bread, what should go to the children, referring to the Jews, and cast it unto the dogs. He says it's just not fit to do that. Now, on the surface, this seems cruel, right? I mean, it just seems, you know, but here's something we have to understand. Number one, Jesus is doing something special for this lady. And one thing he's doing is he's allowing her faith to be seen. Now, this may not mean much to you if you never thought about it, but this woman and what she went through and her persistence and her faith and her determination still to this day teaches us lessons about faith. He's letting her faith be shown, be be noticed, be recognized. And so what does she say in verse 28? After he said, it's not fit to take the children's bread and cast to the dogs, she answered and said unto him, yes, Lord. I agree. You're right. Yet the dogs under the table... Eat of the children's crumbs. And I want to tell you, that saying clenched it for her. Because the very next words, verse 29 says, And he said unto her, For this saying, go thy way. Now keep this in mind this morning. She didn't criticize Jesus for going first to the Jews. She just kept persisting in her requests. She didn't accuse him. She didn't say to him, this is not fair. That's probably what we might say, but she didn't say that. All she said was, I agree. Give the children the bread first. And all I'm asking you for is just a few crumbs. If if there's some crumbs that fall on the floor, I want those crumbs. Matthew says this, the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And I truly believe she was coming to him as her master. And and Jesus said in verse 29, you know, for this saying, go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. Matthew, I keep referring to Matthew because I just appreciate those, the two gospels going together and the details both of them share But Matthew included this very important statement. Jesus said, woman, great is thy faith. 
And when she went home, she found her daughter delivered, sitting in bed, laying in bed. Now, we have weird ideas about faith sometimes. I've even heard people say, well, if you, if you really have faith, you just ask one time and don't ever ask again if it's real faith. But the, the, that's not what this woman did. She didn't ask one time or two times or three times. We don't know how many times she asked. We don't know how many times she had every reason to stop, every reason to quit, every reason to give up, every reason to go home, every reason to accept that there's really nothing can be done for my daughter. But every time she had a reason to quit, she just kept pressing, pressing forward, pressing on in faith. Jesus said, great is thy faith. Three things I want to mention about this this morning as we just apply it to our own life. Number one, we see a side of Jesus that we don't often see, and really we may not even appreciate. The way he responded to her. He didn't answer immediately. It's every, every visible or audible indication was that he was not going to give her what she wanted. Would you agree with that? No reason to believe it otherwise. And yet we know that he cared about this woman. We know that he knew about this woman. We know he cared about her daughter. I just want to say this to you today, and it may not mean anything to all of us, but I'm sure some of us can relate to it. Because Jesus doesn't answer you immediately does not mean he will not answer. Just because he seems to be silent does not mean he doesn't care. Don't give up on Jesus. This woman had great faith. The second thing we see that I want us to think about is, is the kind of faith that we would do well to emulate. Again, Matthew said that Jesus said, woman, great is thy faith. She had faith that would not be denied. You'll you'll be hard pressed to find a better illustration or example of persistent intercession in the Bible. When he was silent, she persisted. When the disciples said, send her away, she persisted. When Jesus said, Israel will come first, she persisted. And when it seemed hopeless, she didn't pout, she worshipped him. Right? And said, Lord, help me. Help me. I know I have nowhere else to turn. There's no other place to go. When Jesus said... It's not right, it's not fit, it's not proper to give you first, the food first. She said, fine. I'll just take some crumbs. You know, you know what all these obstacles and interruptions and discouragements were? We think, we, we would think that they're a negative thing, that they're, that they're, you know, unnecessary. But all they're doing is revealing the sincerity of her faith. Faith overcomes fears. Faith overcomes rejection. Faith overcomes silence. And and again, the strongest faith is not necessarily the faith that just prays one time and is rests on it. Faith just keeps persisting 
And I, I want to I apply this to our life today. Maybe, maybe you're only thinking about your life and your needs. And, and let's just think about that for a moment. Maybe you're, maybe you're facing a burden or you've got a situation. And maybe like this, it could be a child that you're concerned about. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's some physical problem you've got. Maybe it's some emotional struggle you're having. And, and you know, you're just thinking, well, it's not going to work. God hasn't answered. I've prayed about this already and God seems to be ignoring me. Or maybe it's somebody else you're praying for. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a grandchild. You know what an intercessor is? An intercessor is a person that goes to God on behalf of someone else. That's what this woman doesn't. You know, we can pray for our, about our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. It's the way Jesus taught us to pray. But we can also pray for others. We can also pray for people that are drowning in the consequences of bad decisions, we can pray for those people. We can pray for people who seem to be controlled by evil. This woman's daughter was controlled by evil. And you know what? As far as we know, the recovery of this daughter depended on the mother. But it didn't just depend on the mother fixing it. Sometimes we can't fix it. It depended on the mother not giving up. And coming before God, interceding and praying. So we see the kind of faith that it would do us good to emulate. When I study this, when I read this, when I meditate upon it, it helps me. It helps me not to give up. Believing God. Trusting God. For situations, for people. And then the last thing we see, not only do we see the kind of faith we should have and the, kind, and the way Jesus sometimes responds. But finally, we see the hope of the Gentiles. I know, and I know, again, that sometimes people don't even think about the Jewish culture. They don't even think about the Old Testament, but it's a part of the Bible. It's a part of God's plan. And Jesus came to the Jews first. We read it right from the Bible. Jesus sent his disciples out and he says, first, don't even go to the Samaritans. Don't even go to the Gentiles. Just go, first of all, to the nation of Israel. But this tells us in no uncertain terms that he came not just to have mercy on Israel, but he came to have mercy on all. He gives mercy to the Gentiles. This, this woman was actually a descendant of the ancient Canaanites. Matter of fact, Matthew called her a woman of Canaan. And you know, Canaanites occupied that whole region till God, till Abraham got the promise and Moses and God's people occupied that land. And uh, so why would Jesus care about her? Why would a Jew care about this Gentile Canaanite woman? I'm going to tell you today the same reason he cares about you. And he cares about me. He doesn't care about us because we're worthy of his concern. He doesn't care about us. Because we deserve it. If you think for a moment that when God looks at you or looks at me and he he thinks about the fact that we come from America or he thinks about this, we hold our job down, we pay our bills. Do you you think for a moment that that somehow earns God's favor or love or respect? You're mistaken. He cares about us because it's the way he is. He loves us. He loves you today. He loves you. He came to save everyone who will come to Him for salvation. He came to save sinners. 
He came to be a friend of the friendless. He came to be the savior of the vilest sinner there is. That's why Jesus came. And so I don't know who you are, where you live, what your background is, what your needs are, but I'm going to tell you today, God loves you and Jesus came to help people like you and people like me. This Gentile woman, this Syrophoenician woman by nation that looked like she was being rejected, looked like she was being ignored, I'm telling you, she was in the heart of Jesus. You can be sure about that. And he did for her what nobody else could do. You know, he delivered her daughter. I want you to think about this today before we wrap this up completely. Where do you you stand in your relationship to God? I mean, do you know for sure that you're saved? Do you know that you've been born again? Do you question whether God loves you? This is not the only example in the Bible of God's love. We find it throughout the scripture. God cares about people. And I know sometimes people think, well, if God cared about me, why did he let this happen? And why do we have to go through this? We could ask the same question about this. If if he really cared for her, why did he ignore her? Why did the disciples say what they said? Why did he make it hard on her? I think for one reason is to help me. (laughs) To help me. In In my struggles sometimes in faith and believing and trusting. But I'm going to tell you today, make no mistake about this. God loves people, and he loves you today. He cares about you. People, bad things sometimes happen to good people, or bad things sometimes happen in our life, not because God is not good. Sometimes it's a consequence of just sin in the world. We live in a, we live in a fallen world where sin happens, and disease happens. People don't get sick just because they're good or bad, they get sick because sickness is a part of this culture we live in. But don't let it be a reflection on God. God is good. And God loves us. And we may go through struggles and trials in this life, but I want to tell you what God has done for us. He's made a way for us to go to a better place where there is no sin, where there is no sickness, where there is no sorrow, where there is no separation from family. And that place is heaven and it's there for those who come to Jesus Christ. So yes, in this life we're going to have troubles, we're going to have problems, we're going to have times when things don't seem to go our way. But the good news is, this life is like a drop in a bucket compared to eternity. And if you're saved, you're going to be with Him forever. Isn't that a wonderful thought? But you have to be born again to go there. You have to be saved. What does that mean? It means you have to come to God and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Trusting in Him and Him only for your salvation. If you've not done that, you ought to do that today. You ought to talk to somebody about that. Say, I need to know this. There is nothing in the world, nothing in the world more important to you than knowing that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. You don't go because you're religious. You go because you've been born again. Saved by the grace of God. Aren't you glad for His mercy and grace today? Even to a Syrophoenician woman, he was merciful. Now today, I'd never say, I would never, ever, ever say this. Look at me and you'll see a great example of faith. I would never say that. But I'll say this, look at that woman 
and you'll see a great example of faith. Right? Something we could all use.